from the Brooklyn Paper Building in beautiful downtown Brooklyn. It's America's downtown still to this day. America's downtown. It is Brooklyn Paper Radio. We're coming to you live from J Street. I'm your host, Vince DiMaselli, waiting for the storm to come. I think we were waiting for a storm this time last week, too. I know. It just seems like every week there's another storm. And spring is here today, so what the heck? Spring is here. It's sprung, people. That's uh, Sinatra. Great man. You gotta you gotta see the kids, they don't know. They don't Great know the Sinatra. Crooner. They don't know the Sinatra these days. Brooklyn Paper Radio, as always, brought to you by our good friends at nativenygardens.com. Now, you guys know about native NY gardens? Johnny? Tell I know more. about them. No, you don't. Native NY Gardens is they get you the garden that you deserve. All right? They get you the garden that you deserve. They come to your house. They check everything out. They look at that little backyard you have on, on like 3rd Street, or maybe on 13th, 13th Street. Mm. They come back. They look at it. They check it out. They size it up. They do measurements. And they say, you know what you can use here? You could use one of our native trees, native to New York, that we're going to put back here. Give me one native tree, Johnny. A uh, pitch pine. A pitch pine Ooh. in your backyard. Now, is that going to drop a bunch of leaves all over no, the place? No, sir. Because I can't stand that. It's not going to happen. Did I tell you the story of the trees in my backyard, Johnny? No, but here's, I want to hear it. Here's what happens. I'm going to tell you real fast, all right? First, I had four pine trees in my backyard. Four of them. Count them. Yeah, and then the storm comes, middle of the night. Okay. I wake up the next morning. All four pine trees are gone. None of them have hit my house. None of them have hit my neighbor's house. But they've taken out all the fences all around us. All right. Whoa. And the next day, a neighbor's at my door, and he's like, hey, your tree broke my fence, and you got to pay for it. I said, oh, no, I don't. Act of God. <laughs> Send it to the man upstairs. Act of God. I'm not, I'm not paying for it. I'm not doing nothing. I was literally on the phone with the insurance company. I'm on the phone with the insurance company. And I'm like, look, you want to talk to my insurance? The guy's screaming at me. He's got like a NYPD badge hanging like he's supposed <laughs> to scare me. I'm like, look, my whole family's a cop. <laughs> right? And he's like, so I'm like, no. I'm not, look, talk to the insurance company. Act of God. So turns out, I go to my insurance company, and they're like, all right, just find out how much it's going to cost to get rid of all the trees on their property, on your property, just find out. So I find out. It's like seven grand. So wow. I go to the neighbors, and I'm like, seven grand to get rid of all the trees. Let's split it three ways, and we're done. You can go to your insurance company. I'll go to my... Bu- 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 bu. They don't want to do that. So I wait them out, and the trees just sat there for six months. <laughs> Until finally, one day, I come home, and the trees are cut right to my fence. Because the neighbors oh. went, and they cut the trees to the fence, and they got rid of it. I went back to my guy to get the trees down, and now all of a sudden it went from being $7,000 to being $1,000. Now, where, how does this all tie together? Shave that cost right down. How does this all tie together to the trees dropping leaves in the backyard? I had this other tree in my backyard that didn't come down. Oh. And that tree would drop leaves about three times a year. Whoa. And when it would drop them, I swear, about three times a year, and when it would drop them, it would drop like... 200 pounds of leaves in my backyard, everywhere. It was crazy. Some type of oak? What do you got, an oak? No, it was like some weed. It was a weed tree. Uh. It was a weed tree that would stretch stretch out like these roots along the the grass, and little trees would pop up out of it. Like it wanted to take, it was like the Body Snatchers. Good movie. Body Snatchers tree. An extraterrestrial tree. So now I'm like, $1,000. I'm like, oh, by the way, can can you take that one down too? And he's like... Oh, yeah, no problem. And he took that one down nice. for the thousand bucks, and that was it. And that's how it all worked out. But look, enough about me. Enough about your backyard. Enough about 
NativeNewYorkGardens.com. Also brought to you today by Atlantic Bagel Company. You know the Atlantic Bagel Company? I do. I actually thought of the Atlantic Bagel Company when I ate a bagel for breakfast yesterday and said to myself, this probably would taste better if it was baked by Atlantic Bagel Company. Exactly. You know, they have all that filtration system. They're out there in New Jersey, but they have that filtration system that brings the New York water to them. You read about this? I've, I've heard about it from you. It's all a scam, but they're doing it. All right? It makes everybody it happy. It sounds good. They've got all sorts of bagels out there at the Atlantic Bay. If you're in Monmouth County, you know. Go get a bagel. Have a bagel. They're delicious. Maybe Tell get them Vince a dozen. You. We'll and if you, dozen. See my father, yeah. if you see my father, say hello. Joining us today. Joining us today on the show. An old friend. A, a busy man. An old friend. is back. Well, a not so busy man. <laughs> a not so busy man. Since we last spoke to him, he's been once again unceremoniously fired from his job. No, excuse me, Vince. I'm between jobs. He says he's between jobs. But he is, without question, unemployed. No, no, again, between jobs. Right now, has Had- no place to go, nothing to do, calls me up all the time, says, can you, you want to get a cup of coffee? Maybe we'll, just, we'll get a cup no, of no, coffee? No, no, coffee. Point of information, I say, can you buy me a cup of coffee? <laughs> That's absolutely true. I can say, how can I write this off? And then I realize, if I put him on the show... I can write off all those coffees. And it's, who is yeah. this guy it's we're talking about? This is Gersh Kuntzman. Gersh Kuntzman. Thank you. It feels great to be back, Vince. Thank you for having me. He's going to talk to us about all the things that he's doing now that he is unemployed. No, again, I'm just between jobs because I had a job and I will again have a job. You're going to get another job. No question. I don't know. You're getting old, Gersh. Well, you may say that, and our radio listeners certainly know that I never look better. Right, Tony? No, I mean, never I'm staring better. at you. And no, you look great. I am between jobs. As you know, I was fired unceremoniously from Newsweek, uh, where I cannot say anything disparaging as per our separation agreement. So I will not be saying anything disparaging about Newsweek. Now, is that the same agreement you have with your wife? <laughs> no, I, I do not disparage my ex-wife because I like my ex-wife, and she did not unceremoniously fire me, despite the fact we are no longer together. <laughs> It was not unceremonious. It was, it was more of a ceremonial <laughs> There firing. was a ceremonial firing. <laughs> Again, I'm between wives right now, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you're, not, you're not unwed. I, I am unwed. No, you're, you're not between unwed. Wives. You're, I'm between you're wives. You're between wives. That's right. No, look. But, but are you unemployed? I am not unemployed. I am literally between jobs. And what I've been doing during this period, this interregnum, if you will, I've been enjoying Brooklyn, Vince. As you our, know. Our great borough. Great borough. couple of things I want to report. First of all, it's great during the day. No one's around. You just go wherever you want to go. On your bike or you walk? You can always yeah. get a city bike. You can walk. People are pleasant during the day. What's a you day? Don't say. What is a day like for unemployed Gershko? No, again, I'm between jobs. What time do you wake up and then what do you do? To train myself, I continue to wake up at 6 a.m. Because as you know, Vince, from working at the Brooklyn paper, yep. there's no late bird. There's only an early bird. You know why there's no late bird? There's no bulldog edition. Do you know why there's no late bird? Because the worms are gone. That's right, and the late bird dies. Yeah, he, he starves to eat. death. He so I'm eat. Gersh Kuntzman. I'm the early bird. I'm up at 6. Now, there's no news for me to cover right now because, as you know, I'm between jobs. I will say in your unemployment. I'm between jobs. You've been pretty active on Twitter still. I do like to maintain a brand. But I've been working on my book, which, as you know, is called Good Luck Charm. It's going to be coming out next year from a publishing company to be named. Mm-hmm. And I'm also working on my new project, The Earl, which is my, it's my musical about the Earl of Sandwich. I've heard about this. Yeah. Now, you know, he's credited with inventing the sandwich. I've heard that. But did you know there was a rival Earl in a neighboring duchy who actually invented the sandwich? That I didn't know. Yeah, well. Now, where is, he, where is the Earl of Sandwich? Where does he live? Well, he's dead now. We're talking about the fourth Earl of Sandwich, John Montague. 
Okay. And he's from England, obviously. Okay. He lived in England? He did, in fact, live in England. In Sandwich. No, no, he did not live in Sandwich. He, he was the Earl of Sandwich who didn't live there. As you know with British titles, and I actually... I don't know. Well, I'll, as I'll, you will know. As you will know from British titles, the you are the Earl of, and the, the, the Sandwich, the honorific, is uh, not related to place. It can be, but it's often... It could be related to surname. It could be related to... A region could be related to like like no, the no. like the Duke of Gloucester does not necessarily re- represent Gloucester. It's not like you're a politician. Sure. And so you're saying it's much like like the New York Yankees. A lot of the players on the Yankees aren't like from New York. Of course, of course, yeah. That's exactly now. What about it. the Duke of York? The Duke of York. I don't know every damn duchy in in England. I'm starting to get into this, but a friend of mine, Edward Lewine, who works for the city of New York, saw my tweet that I was working on the Earl of Sandwich uh, play, and he sent me this long list of instructions about how to address earls. You don't say Mr. Earl. You don't say Dear Earl. You never call him Earl. Uh He's my lord or whatever. (laughs) And he also said specifically the Earl of Sandwich was not from Sandwich. And because many of these earls and these dukes do not represent the area of the name. If he's the Earl of Sandwich and the sandwich is named after him, he's not from Sandwich. So they just called it a sandwich because he was the Earl of Sandwich? Right. It could have been called the Hampfordshire. The Hampfordshire. If he was the Earl of Hampfordshire, which was Was the geographic region, then maybe we would be eating Hampfordshires. Was the Earl he stole the idea for the sandwich from from Sandwich? Well, first of all, part of my play, which is a musical and will be produced by the same team that brought you Murder at the Food Co-op. Let me guess. It's a sex farce. It's got a little bit of a sex farce in it. There is a wench. There's wench number one and wench number two. Mm -hmm. And there's there's a bit of business about they misunderstand who. But the second earl that I mentioned earlier, that's part fictional. Now, there were indeed Ah. rival earls. The Earl of Sandwich had many rivals, including the Count of um, Montgomery, which is in my book, which is in my play. That's a real guy. The rival Earl, however, is going to be a fictional character. He's a, he's a, a, a fake Earl. Some are saying he's the Earl of Sandwiches, uh, the brother he never knew he had. Mm. And they were both working on meat within bread at the same time, unbeknownst to each other, and only through historic circumstances were thrust together. As England is under attack from France and Spain and Austria and Prussia, they come together on a tremendous sandwich which saves England and, and it gives us the sandwich okay. we have today. And is that sandwich called the Gersh? <laughs> it may, in fact, be called the Gersh. Say the it. point is, this is going to be a blockbuster and money-losing musical for me, much like SUV the Musical and Murder at the Food Co-op, my two prior award-winning shows. But it's award-winning, not about the money. money-losing shows. Yeah, that's what I do. I specialize in that. That don't get picked up. Now, do you think this has a shot of getting into the Fringe Fest, or you want it, or are you thinking bigger? I'm thinking a little bigger this time, not mm-hmm. not to downplay the French. I was the thinking fringe. the West End. Yeah, I was thinking. I actually see Will Farrell as the lead of the rival Earl. So the when you're king. writing this, you're thinking of Will. Farrell. I'm thinking Farrell. Yeah, That's and I'm thinking if you're I'm, out there, Will, listening. Well, oh, he's, of course he's listening. Of course he has yeah. the potential. Put to be paper listening radio. Right now. Will Farrell is also between jobs, if I'm not mistaken. So we have a lot. No, in he's common. Un- he's unemployed. Oh no, no, he's between jobs. We have a lot in common. So you're getting a lot done during this unemployment. Uh, I'm between jobs. As you know, uh, Tony, last night, now that would be Monday night, uh-huh. Monday night. my uh, Prospect Park hockey team won the semifinal game. Coming, thank you very much. Coming back from a three nothing deficit to win five four, and that means tonight, Tuesday night at ten forty five, I'm asking all of your listeners, Vince mm-hmm. and Tony, if you can, if you have some free time, ten forty five tonight, come down to the Lakeside Center. First of all, you'll see some great hockey. It sounds like but it. But cheer us on. It's going to be Flyers against Sharknado. My, I'm the captain of the Flyers. 
I really hope you'll come down because I have a feeling we're going to win. So win this, the championship. This is, this is under the lights? Under the lights. Wow. Yeah. Well, based on last night's game, you guys are, you guys are feeling pretty good about yourself. We are flying yeah, high. We were down 3 nothing after five minutes, and I thought, we're going to get cream. We're going to lose 12 nothing. Right. Not only did we come back, we came back in fine fashion. We, we dominated the rest you of play the game. A, you play a... a Twenty-minute, three periods, three twenty-minute period game. Seventeen-minute periods. Oh, so they oh, mentioned it. Now, do the seconds tick off quicker? No, same amount of time. I think it's a second. Do you feel like the seconds quick off ticker? I think I, I find as I get older, like you know that like the nine minutes you get when you hit snooze. Mm. Like it's when like I was like twenty-five. Seconds. Yeah, it felt like nine minutes. Now it, it feels like it's gone. I will say this: when we were down three nothing, yeah, the seconds were flying by. Okay, and then the minute we took a lead, those last like three minutes, we, we could not. Kill those three minutes. Yeah. We did though. We gotta we, we gotta talk about this whole Putin election thing. Oh yeah, we we'll gotta, get to it. We gotta get he won, to it. right? It's important. It's important it's that we talk about because I was saying actually, um, who gave me a call today? One of the one of the congresswomen. Hmm. Yvette, Yvette Clark. Clark. Yvette, Yvette Clark. Clark. People called me up today. Just a point of information. Yeah, I was editor of the Brooklyn Paper, Tony, for six years. Yvette Clark's people, nor Yvette Clark, ever called me, ever. Well, she called me today. And she's like, hey, I'm very interested, not Yvette Clark, but one of her people, very interested in Brooklyn Paper Radio. We want to know how we can get on the show and stuff like that. I was like, I'll have you on today. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Actually, I didn't do that because then it sounds like, you know, you're, you're, you're like you rolling out. Yet, you're right. desperate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm not we, desperate. We had it. No, you got Gersh Kunzman. Yeah, I got Gersh Kunzman. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I need Yvette Clark. No, no, I'm be- between jobs. Yvette Clark is maybe unemployed, but I am between jobs. No, she's working. She's gainfully employed. I don't yeah. know. I don't she's know. How many, how many bills? Listen. So she says, "How can I have you on the show? Can I? How do I get on the show?" And she starts talking about, well, "What do you guys talk about on the show?" And I, you know, I pointed to the website and I tell, "Oh yeah, well we've had on, you know, Michael, Michael Moore, Moore and Carlos Santana. Santana." And she's like, "Oh my God, Santana!" I was like, "Yeah, I was on the show." She's like, "You guys are all over the place." I says, "Yeah, you know, we're a local newspaper, but when it comes to the radio show, we're going to talk about things like Putin, right? I mean, we got to bring it up. I mean, people are." People are interested here just because he's not our leader yet. Just not right now. Point of information, you could send a reporter down to Brighton Beach and probably get a decent story out of, a out decent of those old... Yeah. I, could send a news, oh, sure. I could send a reporter to my production team. <laughs> well said, yeah. That's <laughs> right. right. Artur, Artur would tell you a lot. Let's yeah. get him in yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> we should put Artur on the radio. <laughs> It'd be great. It'd be great. He's, a, he's from Georgia. I, I, as and a, you know what they say about Georgia? It's always on my mind. <laughs> always Point on of information, my mind. another story just related to Brooklyn and immigration... One thing that has bothered me about the immigration debate, if we could just talk about it for a second. Yeah. A lot of the Republicans are saying, oh, these, we don't want to help the DACA kids because they're all going to vote Democratic. But when all those Soviet emigres came over from Russia in, in the early 80s under Reagan, they were conservatives. And nobody seemed to have a problem with the fact that they were all going to become citizens and vote Republican. Just a point of information. I don't have a problem with it. I'm just raising it mm-hmm. as an hypocrisy. That sounds like an hypocrisy. Yeah. You should get a reporter to do that story. Hypocrisy I told you. I'm just going to walk over, talk to Arthur. I'm just, this is just He'll brain dropping right now. But I think Arthur's a little uh, little more liberal. I don't think that's true. I've had conversations think, with Arthur. I think Arthur can be conservative on something. Maybe he's a fiscal conservative like me. Well, you, you, you're that could be a, case. Speaking you're of speaking of fiscal stuff, I watched. I tried to watch Money Monster last night. Oh yeah, yeah. You know Money Monster? It's got Clooney in it, right? I love mm-hmm. Clooney. I'm, I'm not going to tell. I, I Who love doesn't Clooney. love Clooney? I love Clooney. It's got Julia Roberts. I love Julia Roberts. That's mine. Great cast. It was a great cast. I put it on, and I'm watching it, and I was kind of interested in it for the first few minutes. And then, you know. Was it good? Was it ultimately good? Well, I guess I... No, no. Just See, it wasn't good. That's the problem with that movie, yeah. is the overall quality was low. Not, nothing there. Yeah, to I me, mean, whenever you show me the clip of James Kramer having that meltdown, on which the movie was based. Basically, yes. The Kramer mm. meltdown is funnier. 
It was funnier. And Clooney, last, could, uh, Clooney couldn't pull it off. Last night, my son, who's only 10, yeah. literally said, Dad, we'll do it live. <laughs> which made me go back to the famous O'Reilly clip. We'll do it live. Screw it. You know, I, I can't we'll say it on it live, radio. Yeah. Fuck it. We'll do it live. And then... You don't realize, then Family Guy did the exact same thing with Stewie they playing did, the yeah. O'Reilly role. And then Colbert did his own version. In his case, he was a small-time TV uh, correspondent. And he ripped off his dickie, <laughs> which is, I don't know if you know, dickie is a, is a, it's it's like a, a shirt. It's a little bib that you wear it's a under bib. a sweater yeah. or jacket. Yeah. Anyway, so I, we, went, we, did, we did a whole, fuck it, we'll do it live you know, retrospective in my apartment last night. So as I'm saying, when you're between jobs, these are the kind of things that occur to you. You have the time to explore ideas. ideas well, I didn't have projects. the time to watch Money Monster because ultimately I fell asleep. Okay. Cool. Out, out cold. I woke up and the credits were rolling. Well, that's what happens when you're employed. Yeah, that's exactly tired. right. That's oh, exactly you're tired. Right. You're tired. Yeah. You, but Vince, you have been reading my book, Good Luck Charm. I have been reading Good Luck Charm. And actually, I started reading it to the boy. Because now this is a young adult novel. Yeah, my first oh, book is going to be a young adult, adult young adult novel. It's not your first book. No, my it's your fourth, first, my fourth book. Yeah, my fourth book. My it's first a, young it's, adult. It's novel. It's your first, hopefully, money making book. Yeah, I'd like to make some money with some of my projects, Tony. As opposed to it's just an admirable like money, goal. as money, opposed to just win awards. Well, money pits. But I do get a li- nice, a nice glow a money, from all the a honors. Money pit sounds like a job for Native shoveling, NY gardens. Yeah, shoveling money into giant pits. That's no, what I don't shovel money into pits. What I do is I add value to our community, and sometimes that costs me. Well, I've been reading the book to the boy, and we start reading the book, and he actually got a few laughs early on. Mm. He he enjo- he was enjoying because I'm reading it out loud to him at bedtime. Nice, you know. Nice. I had to cut out because very quickly. Gersh gets, guess. To, Gersh gets to the terrible sex joke that has no reason, does not belong in the book. I refer to a, um, I refer to a relief pitcher as Fellatio Bombac. Why do we call him Fellatio Bombac? Because he blows so many games. <laughs> I mean, that is an actual baseball joke. I know it's a baseball joke, but it's a baseball joke that does not belong yeah. in, in, a, a young in a preteen adult novel. And of course, I had to skip oh! it. And now my son's at the age was like, no, no, tell me the joke. Tell me the joke. Mm. I'm like, no. I said, your Uncle Gersh <laughs> thinks everything's a sex farce. And okay. it's not. This book is not a sex farce. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's a very good. It's it's a very. It's a breeze to read. So it's breezy. You can get right through it. Um, now the problem my son had. Now here's what you got to understand. As well, it's, tar- it's targeted. It is. Yeah. From, this is the audience. Well, feedback. my son's a big reader, you know. And uh, but the problem that he has with it is he's not a baseball fan. Mm. And this is the same is problem. Story. It's the same problem yeah. I had with my wife when I first started dating my wife. She had no idea what baseball was. So she knows what it is. Your wife, your wife would would get the fellatio bombback joke though, right? No, she wouldn't because she doesn't know what blowing a save means. Okay, good. No idea. She doesn't know what it, she doesn't know what a save is. Mm. She probably knows the blowing thing, but you know, you know, she doesn't she doesn't know what a line drive is. You know, she okay. doesn't know what a pop up is. And we're listening. Mm. This is me and my wife. We're listening to a ball game in the car, and I see her just kind of. I told you this story. Yeah. I see her just kind of like fading away. No, if you don't get baseball, you're never going to get. And it And when on you're the listening, radio. when you're listening to the game on the radio, and they're talking about things, no. you know, line yeah, drive to second. She has yeah. no idea what she that means. She literally yet. doesn't know where the I ball is. I had to is. explain to my son what tagging up is. Okay, so you're telling me that and, in, and in my book, which is a baseball story, it's about just in short, it's about a girl who is the good luck charm. Like in literally, other words, the Mets never lose when she's in the stadium. However, it takes them many years to figure this out. They finally figure it out. Of course, they win the World Series. You're telling me that Wait maybe the, you just gave away the ending. Well, we don't know if they win the World Series, but yeah, the please. presumption is they're going to win the World I Series. I haven't gotten that far yet, Gert. There's a he little has twist. The power to change the ending. No, there is a twist at the ending. Don't assume they're going to win the World Series. I don't assume anything. Okay, 
but there you just is said a they're lot of baseball. No, no, they don't. There is a lot of baseball in it because I'm sort you of explaining. Would, you, you would so say it's inside baseball. It might be too inside. So, so I'm explaining. I'm explaining to the boy as we're going over it, and he's like, "Dad, I was enjoying this book at the very beginning, uh, but now there's just like." a lot of moments here and you're talking about baseball and I don't understand what everything is. So now I have to explain to him what everything is, which is fine with me because, you know, kids got to know. And uh, look, I'm not going to force baseball down my son's throat, but it's one of my one of the things that I love and I would love to be able to sit down and watch a game with him. Mm-hmm. And it's very rare that he'll do that. Although yeah. last year he did, when Aaron Judge comes up, I say, uh, Vince, Aaron Judge is up because I named my son Vince. I say, Vince, Aaron Judge is up. He'd come in and then Aaron Judge hit a ball like deep into the outfield and one time last year, he went, oh, when the oh, guy caught it. That's good. And that's I, said, I said, wait a second. We got him. Yeah, you might have him. You might we have got him. That one but he doesn't, hit. he knew it was an out. He knew that was okay. an out. When he, like a year before that, he wouldn't even know that was an out. He was like, well, why isn't he running? He hit the ball really far. Like, no idea, right? So the point is, he was a little concerned about the use of the baseball vernacular. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, I could try, I could definitely cut that back. But it is a baseball I, story. And it is important that you have some of these moments yeah. in the book. I'm, I'm, I'm sure of that. But what we get, we get to a point in the book where um, the mom and dad are getting divorced. Mm. Okay. That's a classic young adult novel. Sure, yeah. Thing. Now, and you know what my son said to me? What did your son say? He says, you know, Dad, a lot of the books that I read, the parents are already divorced. Yeah. So this is interesting because they're married here. But now at some point in the book, you're going through the divorce. It's an active divorce. Yeah, uh-huh. it's like an active divorce. Hmm. He goes, so that, he goes, that to me is, is, very, is very interesting. It's a good way to go at it. Oh, so he thinks I should beef up the divorce part. He likes the divorce part. And I said, well, I said, you know what Gersh did there? You know what he created? And he's like, well, he created, uh, he created something uh, like uh, some kind of, uh, he's looking for the he's word. He's looking for the word. He's looking for well, the word. I don't know what I created, so why don't you yeah, tell me? I'm on. Conflict. I says he created conflict, and that's what drives stories. There has to be in every story, Mm -hmm. there has to be conflict. And now, what's the main conflict in this story? Is it going to be the good luck charm choosing to go to the last World Series game or not? Thus, being the protagonist versus herself Mm -hmm. in this case, Mm -hmm. or is the story going to be the conflict of man versus man, or man versus woman, or husband versus wife, or daughter versus dad, or something like that? And that, to me, was the most interesting part of the book that no one has a chance to read right now. No, the problem is Vince has now identified what could be the great part of my book, and he's going to soon see that I do not deliver on that promise. But I can always add that in. Just for the record, listeners, Vince is reading an unpublished draft. Of course. He is in the inner circle. Yeah. He is the kitchen cabinet of this book. And the minute he says, you know, you, you develop that conflict and then you don't deliver, I'm going to make some changes. Yeah, that conflict, conflict. you better believe that conflict's getting developed. That's okay. what it's all about, Christian. And you and are, do. You are no unemployed. One, no I, I'm one, between jobs. I have plenty of time to work on this. No one should know more about the, the importance of conflict than you, an unemployed editor. No, uh, between jobs and divorced. <laughs> so just let's, let's have that out there. I wanted the, pl- the, the divorce in the book, I, I was trying to gloss over just as like to set a, a scene, you know, a, a, a context. But as you know, without conflict, there is no context. So you're right, Vince. Yeah. You've done it again. That's, that's what I try to this do. This is why he's the best editor in the business. It's you know very what? true. This should be the show. L- long form, short. <laughs> he's done it again. Actually, you could do a show. This Vince DiMaselli edits your book. 
And you literally he like does it live. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, we'll do it live. I mean, anyway, I would thank you tune for that. into a live a live editing. Well, I, th- if, I think a lot of you know we I tried think... to do that with Jonathan Fo- Fo- Jonathan Fower. <laughs> no, Jonathan we Saffron didn't. Fower. We did. Saffron we had Fower on the show when Saffron Fower was here. All you wanted to do was lay on a couch and talk to him. You wanted Saffron Forward to be your psychologist. That's that's what happened. That should Saffron. be the show too. Jonathan Saffron Forward is your shrink. That I would listen to that. That that doesn't help us. That helps him. No, it and helps us because no, it's a great show. It's We'd a great sell show ads. We'd sell ads that's on that. True. We're not selling ads, Gersh. <laughs> I heard we were sponsored by NativeNYGardens.com. That's true, but we didn't sell that ad. Somebody else did. Somebody out there. Oh, no, but I'm saying there'd be an advertising forum. But Tony, if we had Jonathan Saffron for in right now, and you were having a problem with a, with a partner, sure, and you said, Jonathan, you are a student of the human condition. What should I do here? That'd be a show. I think people would listen in. I would. I think people that read Jonathan Saffron for would, in fact, listen to that, but other people wouldn't. You gotta, you know, you no. you, you gotta have your credentials in order. You know, it's true. I, don't he, I think he's got want, credentials. He's won, he won like a Pulitzer Prize. From a Did he win a Pulitzer? Source. Well, a Nobel. One of those big prizes for books. Pen. I don't know. Mangrove. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one. One of those. New York won a big one. Yeah. New York Press Association. <laughs> I've won those. Yeah, those no, those don't get you shit. I got those out the wazoo. <laughs> yeah. I literally, I have a closet full of NYPA awards, and I'm between they, jobs they right now. They don't help when you're unemployed. <laughs> I'm between jobs I right have, now. I have independent free papers of America. IFPA. Yes. All those are you got ones. the Josie. The, oh, Vic the Josie. Josie was the biggest Vince award. and I, Tony, I, just to digress, we won the Vic Josie Award for excellence in community newspapering. The Josie was the biggest award that they give out. It's for general excellence. Oh, wow. General excellence. I won it twice. Just so you know, once with Gersh Kuntzman, once without. No, but you once won it with, long without. before I showed up. 1996, yeah. Bay Ridge paper. It was, they called it the Vince DiMaselli paper in Bay Ridge. If you were walking around Bay Ridge, you talk to the people that lived there. It was the Vince DiMaselli paper. And that's what I'm telling you. Like, all these, these reporters I have out there now, they're like, oh, you're making me write all these stories. I said, yeah, but you didn't put out the Vince DiMaselli paper. No. I once not. picked up the Vince DiMaselli paper before I knew Vince. Picked it up. He's got seven bylines on the front page alone. Yeah. Then you flip inside, you think, oh, there'll just be jumps in here. No, there's four no, more there's stories more. in there. There's more. <laughs> no, oh, like, wait, there's more. I had, I think, 18 stories was my top <laughs> in, a, in, in a week. One in week. one week? 18, wow. 18 yeah. in a week. And yeah, it was fun. It was fun, but the, it's like the little inside baseball stuff that we like to talk about sometimes on the radio. You know, it's like how you, how you, how we, how we go about putting out the paper. I think sometimes people are interested in that. Sometimes not. I'm interested. Have you ever been between jobs, Vince, or you have been consistently employed? I have been employed. I don't since think I graduated college. I got a job. Well, I got a job at an advertising agency, which I quit. Well, so you were you were between jobs then. At that point, I was in fact unemployed. No, you're between jobs. So Johnny, Tony, we gotta have some problems. Johnny, you're moving. Oh, Tony, hey. Tony, were you ever between jobs? You know, the the closest I ever came to be being between jobs was actually before I took this job. Um, but you were at a, a magazine of general circulation. I was at a magazine of general circulation, but I was forced to spend my last six weeks working exclusively from home because the person who owned that magazine of general circulation could not work with somebody who would require him to uh, keep promises he made and uphold editorial standards. Oh, but you were still were working there. I was still working there. You but were paid I was by them. As long as the check's clear. I said the Robo closest I ever came 
because I didn't go to a job every day. No, but no, I but did have a job. I did have well, then I had I I went out to California. You know that story. Worked yeah, in everybody California. has to. Tony, you did a year in California. I've right? never done a year. Oh, you in never California. did your California thing. I've only done California, you know, by weeks at a time. Oh no, Vinny and I did a California. Thing. One year in California. You got to do it. It's I've heard great. it's the rage. And you were you were up north too. I was in San Francisco. I was in Monterey, California. Oh, that's the place to be. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Where'd you live in Monterey? I lived actually. I didn't. I lived in Monterey because Monterey was much cheaper than Pacific Grove or or Carmel. Okay. Monterey, I lived near the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Every morning I was awoken by the seals. They, yeah, they kind of bark. They kind of bark, yeah. They bark. I was woken Is that up. what it sounds like? It was something like that, yeah. There it is. It's sort oh, of yeah. a cross between those yeah, sounds. something right? like that. Uh, I enjoyed my year in Monterey. I was the editor of a paper called Coast Weekly, which is still out there. Oh, wow. The best issue I ever did. Now, this is 1988. So that's going... You probably weren't even born, Tony. Two years old. Okay. I was 17 and in high school. 1988. (laughs) I put on the cover of Coast Weekly a picture of me with a bag of groceries, and (laughs) and, and poking out of the bag of groceries was a Marlboro box, but it didn't say Marlboro. It said marijuana on it. Because even then, they were talking about legalizing marijuana. And I said... The headline was, should we... And it was a picture of me. It's a, it's a really good headline, and it's just kind of subtle. Marijuana. It's. I just thought that was great, and we were way ahead of our time. And, and how did well, how did how did that play out? You know, it was a no. Con- I mean, how was it? How was it? Yeah. How, how was, was it received? received by you, the readers of Coastal Weekly? Well, Coast Weekly was at the time only about a couple of weeks or months removed from being just a shopper, a free weekly. We were tr- turning it into a real paper, and it was very shocking. Transitioning to a real paper. Yeah. And so Sounds like something you'd be good at. Taking a paper that's not a real paper yeah. and trans- tran- and making it become a Kind of taking paper. a piece of garbage. like with Something mistakes that no in, one reads. Mistakes in the leads. Right. Uh, stories about parades with massively big pictures that take up a page. Just to fill the space. Yeah, and turning and, that into a real product. 15, something good. 15,000 words about the parade. Oh, yeah, sometimes. you got to cut those. So the first thing, you cut those stories down. Right. Focus, the picture's got to be in focus. And I don't necessarily want to see a picture of Borough President Adams, for example, when the story is about congestion pricing. I want to see some no. some graphic about congestion, congestion or you know or, or, or double parking or whatever. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing. Yeah, Vince, you're probably you're right capable. that that's the one thing that you're good at that I'm actually good at. Yep. I mean, writing novels aside, writing plays that lose money aside, what I really am great at well, is running a community newspaper. I think that this book that you're working on, the uh, the Lucky Charm, Good Luck Charm, the Good Luck Charm, no Good <laughs> Luck Charm, Lucky Charmy, Good Luck Charm. <laughs> Charmy, lucky, good. <laughs> it's all good. That guy. Yeah. Is it's very good, and I think this has a shot. Not only do I think it has a shot to be published, I think this is the type of book they make into a movie. Whoa. Whoa. It could be a movie. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. It's that. It's that the much fun. Cabinet. What Vinny is saying. What he's saying is it's breezy. It's breezy. It's light. It's light conflict. Like yes, there's a moment where they get divorced. Ooh, and then we pass over. It's a good kids movie. It's a good kids movie. Yeah, it's a good Disney movie. Great Disney movie. Like the kids from, from Left Field. The kids from Left Field. Yeah. Was he a lucky charm? No, a- Angels in the Outfield has some sort mm, of lucky charm movie. quality to it, but that's that's like a. a <coughs> see, it was an actual like angel. That, no, that yeah, was an was actual, actual angel. Yeah. In my book, there's no divinity. There's no deity. The good luck that this that this good luck charm has may or may not be some sort of physical attribute. It could simply be that the players b- start believing in themselves in ways that you can't imagine. Sure. So, because on the road, they're not a great team. They're they're literally like a 300 baseball team right. on the road. And I think the 
you know, well, we'll get into it more, Gersh. We can talk about this offline. We might but have I, to. But I, I thought this was the show. The Vince DiMaselli edits your novel. The character of, I think, he has a, a Jeff Wilpon character. Okay. Who's literally named Who's Jeff Wilpon. Who's literally named Jeff Wilpon, and he's the owner of the Mets. Um, yeah. But he's playing it straight, like as a straight owner of the Mets. And I think the Jeff Wilpon character needs to be more developed and needs to be more crazy. You want it to be like a, a Bill Beckham. I want, yeah, I want like that that character to be kind of like a Bill Beckham, or yeah. at le- at the very least, you have no connection really with the players, at least not to the point that I'm up to. And that you know, if you want to translate this to the to the to the silver screen, I think you might need to have some kind of connection with the players, or at least a uh, a big character like. Uh, a fun character that that works at the team. Has, has is it told through the story of one player or no? No, through the good luck charm. She's the oh, narrator it's of the book. Through the good luck charm. Wait, but Vince, you got, it's, you, it's a twelve-year-old. Yeah, twelve-year-old. It's, it's for those not. Yeah. It's for those people. Have you gotten to the point in the book where Michael Conforto, Met superstar, future uh-huh. superstar, visits his shrink and talks about the psychology of baseball? No, I haven't gotten. See, that I think yet. you're going to really enjoy that part because it brings in the player's experience mm. of what it's like to believe in oneself. Baseball is an interesting game, Vince, as you know, and Tony, maybe you don't know this. The best baseball player is still going to fail 65, 70% of the time. The best fails. So imagine the psychology of a baseball player. You're the best at what you do, and you still fail way more than more half the time. More than you succeed, yeah. Yeah, so that's crazy. That's I never got past that in Little League. No, that's, yeah. and so I that, never got past it. Like, every time I struck out, I cried. Yeah, a lot of the book is about that psychology. And you so didn't I, realize that, because my dad never sat me down and said, and said, son. Everybody does it. You're going to strike out. This is Look, watch Reggie. I know. Watch him strike out. Watch when Mickey Rivers strikes out. He flips the bat like that. And these are the best players in the world. When you're watching Major League Baseball, even the worst player in a Major League game is amazing. Amazing. And and people boo them. No, I'll boo them. I'll get on their back. Yeah. Listen, no one can get inside the head of a baseball player. No one can tell that story better than an unemployed journalist. No, like uh, yeah, between jobs, sports reporter is what I am, really. Because I covered the Cyclones. Oh, it was a great season. So you're a freelance sports reporter, not an unemployed editor. I mean, I'm certainly available if anybody's listening and wants to hire me. Like, my number is 347-512-4651. You can text me. You can hire me by text. I know that's like new school. Hey. People don't like that. You nobody can hire me by text. That number again. Text. If I've learned one thing in this industry, nobody gets hired by text. That number again no is 347 512 Four six five one. Be you can hire me by text. Be prepared to stay. Listeners, unemployed. let's get those texts rolling in. I just got one. <laughs> I just got one. Yay! How was your interview? Oh, that's from my daughter. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but you can text me. Actually, are we on? Are we live? Are we doing this no, live? You're live. Doing okay, live. so you could be texting me right now. I'm waiting. Speaking of my son, this weekend, did you hear what happened, Gersh? No, did I, I didn't. I didn't. This weekend, well, it was a big weekend for me. You know, I know usually at the beginning of the show you like to ask me about my weekend. We haven't even well, done but that. I'm not the host of the show anymore. We haven't That's touched on it that. yet. And by yeah. the way, our our, our sponsors today are NativeNYGardens.com uh, and Atlantic Bagel Company. But the point is, my son, on Friday I get home from uh, from work, and the package came in the mail, and my son won, he won mm. a scholarship, and they call these what do they call these scholarships? Academic scholarships. Academic scholarships. Scholarship. To Staten Island Academy. Whoa, that's that big will, news. That will cover half the tuition for the entire term of him going oh, to that's that that's a school. shell game. So they still got you for half the they got you for half the tuition. They got me for half and the tuition. So that's the bad side. For those it. listeners who don't know, the week before this 
um, package arrived in the mail. Vince was literally selling chocolate bars for a dollar a bar in our office to pay. No, I'm kidding. He wasn't paying for the tuition, but he was selling the chocolate bars. Well, that was for PS35. That was for another school. That was for 35. Oddly, the week after that package arrived, all these package bombs went off in Austin, Texas. Just a coincidence? I wish. I now open up all my packages. That's the job for an unemployed journalist to (laughs) look into. When you're between jobs, anytime I get a package, I drive to Austin with the package now, just in case. (laughs) Because I want Austin to be the only place where packages explode. (laughs) Why not? That's a good idea. Listen, the kid won the award, so we're very proud. I'm very proud, yeah. So I wanted to mention it on air. I wanted to mention it on air. I'm proud of him, but but downside alert, spoiler alert, that means Vince is going to be stuck on the rock for six more years. That is true. But he'll be at the top of the rock because isn't this? Well, now I'm looking. This is on Toad Hill. On Toad Hill. So now I'm looking. He'll be at the top of the rock. Now I'm looking. I'm looking for houses on Toad Hill. Are you literally looking for houses on Toad Hill? Of course I am. You can't afford Toad Hill. I can't. Moving on. But I found one. I found one that's like in uh, what do they call that when somebody can't pay the mortgage? Foreclosure. I found a foreclosure. I'm going there this weekend. Wait, seriously? Oh yeah. Moving on up. Foreclosure on Toad Hill. Is that, do you think there's a little, mm-mm there? A little, uh-uh. I'm needs? touching my nose. Uh-uh. That, I let the record show. Uh-uh. Is that what that's doing there? You think there's a little, uh-uh? Because Toad I, Hill no. is, uh, Tony, it's, I don't know if you know, it's a long standing mob, you know, mob. It's not long standing. Oh, there was I didn't one realize. book called The Boss of Bosses. Sure. And in the book, The Boss of Bosses, it was pointed out that at the time, the head of the of the Gambino crime family okay. lived at the, literally at the, at top, the top of, of Toad, Toad Hill, Hill in a building that was called the White House. Mm. Wow. Right. That's it's not the one book. that's in foreclosure. It, yeah, I was going to say. No, but this is a white house. <laughs> it's not the white the house. Much like, much house. like the white rhino. Okay, so you're... You, when it house we got to talk about Putin. Before well, I, we'll get we're to running it. out of time. When you are got to get to Putin. When you're looking at a house in foreclosure, mm-hmm. how... I mean, is it really an incredible price? Uh, I would say right now it's at half the price that it would go so for. So you should just buy wow. it if it wasn't in foreclosure. But aren't there going to be a lot of bids on it? It could be. That's the thing. You don't know. So it's probably a bad idea to talk about it on, on such a big... What's you know, the address? Right. What's the address? We can all just go and put bids and just raise the price on you. Bidding war. I, I don't want that. Oh, okay. I don't want that. You, it's on, well, it's on well, just call. Those of us who are unemployed might have time for a bidding war. When you're between jobs, you don't always have a lot of time. Now, I have been exploring the borough and enjoying myself, and I have been drinking more than normal. I've been drinking a lot more. You know what I did? What? I took a week off, and we did a staycation. It would, and staycation. A staycation. staycation. Did you drink more than normal? No, and we just, we just, you know what? We live in New York City. Yeah. And sometimes we forget that, you know? It's always nice All to hop time. on a plane. I, I never forget that. It's, well, I'm glad you do. I'm on don't. my bike. I can't forget it. People are trying to kill me out there. Oh, <laughs> man. I'm serious. No, it's bad out no, there. No, it's, it's bad out there. I, I, one aside, just forget about the cycling because people are trying to kill me, but... The roads. You're a driver, Vince. I'm a cyclist. You're a pedestrian. Pedestrian. The roads are By in the way, horrible shape right now. Yeah, horrible. Very, very if, bad if Mayor shape. de Blasio, if you can hear the sound of my voice, at the very least, pave the roads. Hold on. This is my Uncle Pete. Let's see. Maybe he's listening to the show. Hey, put him on. Yeah, let's see. Hey, Uncle Pete. What's up? No, he just he hung uh, up on uh, you. No, my Uncle Pete butt dials me about six times That would have been awesome because yeah. your Uncle Pete has a great accent. <laughs> no, but seriously, Vinny, have you noticed the condition of the roads are in, in really it's, horrible Gersh, right it's now? It's what I call de Blasio's New York. You don't want to admit it. You, you just, I, I want to admit it. No, I think you don't want to admit it. You don't want to admit it. You say, like, oh, they open up the... They, 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 they increase the amount of, ta- of uh, asphalt they're making at the plant over on Hamilton Avenue, but I don't see that asphalt going into the streets. I literally don't know what you're talking about. I have said and, re- and will continue to say the mayor is doing a slightly better than average job. Slightly better slightly than Slightly better than, than average. average job. In other words, he's good on a lot of the issues, but I think as a manager, he's not great. And oh, roads, no. roads are an example of that. And he, I was at the vigil on 9th Street, half a block from where those two kids were run down 
by that rogue driver who shouldn't even be on the road because of the number of tickets she has. But nonetheless, de Blasio shows up for his gym appointment. Workout. He drives from Gracie Mansion to the gym. Now, Mm -hmm. that's stupid enough to begin with. Yeah, But in an age when the mayor is suing the oil companies because of the greenhouse gas, New York City is suing the oil companies because of the greenhouse gas. Why is he driving in his insulated SUV from the Upper East Side to Park Slope? If he were to bike from the Upper East Side to Park Slope, He'd learn. One thing. He'd do learn a think, lot. Yeah. Do you think if he were to take the subway from the Upper East Side to Park Slope, he would learn, learn a lot. lot. Probably we, more. We've interviewed uh, Mayor De Blasio back when he was Councilman De Blasio. We've interviewed him when he's. Well, I don't know if we've actually ever interviewed him while he was mayor. He's never come in. Trying to. Though we've asked for him to come in, and he for says he loves now. to. He lives and dies with the Brooklyn paper yeah. right here. But uh, do you think that he has now that he's Mayor Gersh a sense of entitlement? Oh, without a doubt. We look. We always knew. I was editor of the Brooklyn paper. I'm still editor emeritus, Tony. We always knew that de Blasio... Like, I thought you were unemployed. I'm between jobs. I'm sorry. There, we always knew that de Blasio had a, an ego. There's no question about it. Now, granted, in order to be in politics and in public life, you do need to have a full opinion of oneself. Yes, you need a healthy regard for yourself. Yeah, because otherwise you wouldn't, you wouldn't run for office. You wouldn't say, I'm the change agent that could help. And that's fine. I think Maybe this is why we need a guy like Putin. He's Putin certainly humble. has a healthy impression of himself. I'm not likening... Vladimir Putin to Bill de Blasio. But no, I'm going, the, I'm going the other way. De Blasio does have a very thin skin, as many politicians do. However, Why is that? Because I think he, like many politicians, he can't see the fact that there are flaws there. Like any, He looks in the mirror and says, I'm doing a great job. And he yeah. can't accept the fact... Like like Trump, when he reads a story that he doesn't like, he calls it fake news. Now, de Blasio hasn't gone to that level, but it's the well, same he's idea. he's kind of gone to that it, level. It's the same idea. He's called the New York Post. I mean, he's yeah. basically called the New York Post fake. If he, has they, he said fake news? I think he I has. I think he did. They, oh. the, the idea is he looks at the say paper what you and want says, about the Post. You know, I don't see fake news. Fake no, news. It's but they look at the articles and they say, they those people don't have the right impression of me. Right. Rather than say, oh, I must not have gotten my message clearly out enough, or I must not have done that as well as I thought I had. And that's the, just that little well, change. Uh, but I don't see that. I see it as they have a different opinion of, of mine, but my opinion is right, so I'm going to shut them down. Well, that's what that's, I see. That's an extreme version of that. I don't think No, but that's what I think he does, especially with the Post. Well, I, I don't know. I'm not going to speak to that. I'm going to say simply Why that... Why aren't you going to speak to that? Because I don't think he's trying to shut down the New York Post. I think he may mm. not answer their questions. You mean That's you, shutting down. Oh, you I, mean I, in I, terms I, of shutting down. Yeah. He does avoid their questions, and I think that's wrong. However, when he came to the vigil on 9th Street... I was there. I was standing yeah, right next to the guy. Now, I was the one screaming, arrest Marty Golden, which we can talk about at a later date. Yeah. But because Marty Golden, as you know, has multiple red light and speeding camera violations. Multiple uh, violations. Uh, uh, he, a cyclist got a photo of him... And, adi- and in addition, as we, you know, we, we spoke about this last week. Okay, as you know, Marty Golden has killed a woman as a driver. Okay, so yes. that we'll move on. He came to the vigil. Now he did take our questions, uh, Mary De Blasio. Very listened to it, and he said, "Well, as you know, Vision Zero has three prongs: it's education, enforcement, and street design." Now the mayor has been okay on street design. A lot of streets have been redesigned. Yep, he has been non-active on. On education, there's been no education at all. And no, he's the, been their idea of education is putting some ads out, and yeah. they don't even put them in the Brooklyn paper where where they belong. Okay, right. and then he's been very inconsistent on enforcement. Now, enforcement is the biggest chunk of this. Guys like Marty Golden and drivers who repeatedly go through speed speed cameras, speed lights, need to be arrested. Yep. People who block bus lanes need to be ticketed. People who park in bike lanes, and I'm not saying that because I'm a cyclist. If you force a cyclist into the roadway, that means a driver has to now be forced further left, into the oncoming traffic. Right. Double parked cars need to be ticketed. People in bus lanes need to be ticketed because if the buses ran better, 
Yeah. Again, we're going to segue to Marty Golden. If the buses ran better, more people would take them, and there'd be fewer people Less on the roads. On the Marty Golden is pushing a bill that would prevent SBS, that's, I don't even know what Select it stands for, bus Select Bus Service, from Prevented. eliminating parked cars in certain neighborhoods. No, we need to get those parked cars off of the main roads so Give SBS can work. Buses. Right, because 28,000 people are on that line on the buses, and you're talking about 15 car spots. Well, speaking of enforcement, too, the interesting thing... Um, the interesting stance the mayor took was that he, you know, he's really counting on Albany to up their enforcement of laws, you know, because following the vigil you were at, he gave a presser at the 78th yeah. precinct just outside of Park Slope and or the station house, rather, is just outside of Park Slope. And he, you know, he sort of shifted the conversation northward and said, Albany's got to do all this. They've got to they've got to, you know, redefine where school zones are so we mm-hmm. can put more speed cameras in. They've got to crack down on the way Drivers can be penalized for camera violations, and they've got to implement some sort of medical law that allows a doctor or requires a doctor to report, um, you know, uh, conditions, potentially debilitating conditions that a driver may have before they get behind the wheel. But he's he's not he's not, you know pushing this through his own administration, he's leaving it on the doorstep of Albany, which is leaving many locals a little bit missed. And there's two flaws to that. One is Albany. But the second flaw is on a radio interview with Brian Lair, the mayor said, oh, if you park in a bike lane for 30 seconds, that's okay. Right. No, that's not okay, because 30 seconds, 20 bikers could go by, forced into the lane of traffic, and then cars are forced to be on. It's like Hope Hicks telling, you know, a congressional committee, she tells white lies for the president. You know, a lie is still a lie. Breaking a traffic code is still breaking traffic code. Right. Well, what is a white lie, by the way? Is that a racial? Is that a racial thing? That only wh- white people tell a lie. It's not a lie, but a black. Is, I, I don't think, think there's. A, I'm not, I don't think a black lie. Exists. I don't know the entomology. Or no, the I think that's a racist term. I think. I think there's some. I racial certainly element. did not. I think we need to. In a I think we need way. to scotch this conversation right now. <laughs> I, I want to look that up, Johnny. In in between the break, I want you to look that up. Are we taking a break at some point? No, Johnny. I was just wondering if we're taking Johnny, a break. Johnny is, is playing on his phone. I thought it was weird. You know, I think he's, to backtrack for a second. He's when, literally when he's texting Gersh, see, Gersh, offering him a let job. Let me see what's on your phone right now. You when know, I'm, when I'm Hope Hicks told, okay. told, said that in an interview, that I tell white lies for the president. First of all, anytime you're admitting to telling any kind of lie, that's really not a good optics, right? No, I, mean, I think that's That's bad, bad, right? Yeah. Why did she say that? I mean, you you know Hope Hicks. Uh, yeah, we actually, you know who we could call is reporter Colin Mixon, who went to high school with Hope Hicks. But uh, you wait know, a second, I, are we just finding that out now? I knew the newsroom is known for. Some I didn't time. know that. Well, See, why that's the thing. I'm in my glass room you over are, there. Yeah, you're unlocked. That I never heard. You're too busy reading about the Lucky Charm. No, no, no. Good luck charm. <laughs> Good luck charm. But written by Between Jobs reporter Gersh Kunstman. No, Colin Mixon should write a story. The Hope Hicks I knew. That would that would blow up I on the can't internet. Believe. I, I there have been there have been a few times where his his connection to her has been requested, you know, in the form of comment or getting something to her, and he's always denied it, you know, because of whatever personal reason oh. he has. Wait, so what is he denied? He's denied, you know, connecting with her to pass along. You he know, doesn't want to admit that he doesn't really know her. Like that. That's ba- either he either he, he was romantically inclined, or he doesn't want to admit he didn't really know her. Not but, from us. Not. Not question, not for stories. We gotta get him in here. On, we gotta get him in here. That, wait a second. Does he know her or not? He he went to high school with her. Went according to high to him. school with her. Yeah, not we get him in school. here. Should we get him in here? Well, no. I don't know that no. he would be comfortable with me revealing this in front of all of our listeners on Brooklyn but Paper Radio. Did. But I already did. <laughs> um, but I don't know that he's listening. All right, well, so. we're gonna get to the bottom of that. 
But yeah, yeah. I know we're going to get to the bottom of it. But the point is, one of the points I wanted to bring up about well, first the Putin, well the Putin thing I'll get to. But we got to get to Putin. But one of the things I wanted <laughs> it's a big to big election <laughs> was these these speed cameras. Now everybody, yeah, you know, please, Marty yeah. Golden says he's against oh, yeah, the speed cameras. State Senator Marty Golden, who has violated those cameras repeatedly. And I brought this up with you know his car has. And let's be clear. There's just a point I want to get to. Please. And I brought this up with Brad Lander last week when he was on the air. I want to bring it up with Gersh. Okay. Well, I'm a Lander fan. I know you are. So they put in all these cameras. Yeah. And now, does that affect the amount of police on the streets that are actually enforcing traffic laws? You mean they cut the number of police because of the cameras? Yeah. If they did that, it would be a huge mistake. And especially because the cameras are generating an enormous amount of money in terms of fines for the city. Right. So there would be no reason to reduce the police force. In fact, you could make an argument that cameras help you supplement the police force. I know, but how do you make the argument to the captain of the precinct who wants and who wants his cops out fighting crime mm-hmm. because you know this is the thinking in the in the police department sure i would you know as someone who grew up with cops cops don't want to sit there and give out tickets to people that are speeding they don't want to sit there and do traffic work you're you right they, they don't want, they want to, they don't want to do tough, parking tickets tough luck you tough know? luck you're a cop i know tough luck part so, of the job but my point is with all these cameras now Aren't the captains going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, we don't have to do that anymore? That could happen. What did Lander say, by the way? Uh, Lander said that the amount of tickets given out by the police force has not gone down. Now, I would like to look that up. because That's I'm a good so, story. I'm not so sure about I would, that. I would echo what the councilman said. He's a friend of mine, and I'm his constituent. But I would, I would add this. NYPD policy and agenda can change with, with different mayors. Giuliani focused on one thing. Bloomberg focused on another. If you want to be the Vision Zero mayor, as Mayor de Blasio says he wants to be, you need to heighten the enforcement of the NYPD. Now, captains may complain, and you'd say, I'm sorry, Captain, you, maybe you don't want to be a captain anymore. Maybe you want to be a detective. I need a certain number of cops on the street, whatever it is, supplementing speed cameras. Because all these people get speed cameras, they pay the fine, but unless they get a ticket from an actual cop, right, there's no any, points. There's no yeah, repercussions on There's no well, repercussions. I mean, to me, it kind of makes sense to have a cop sitting by a speed camera and when that person gets pulled over, the cop, when that person gets the ticket, the cop then pulls them over and says, yes, our camera caught you. I'm just verifying who you are. Well, that's a lot of manpower. That may be too much manpower. I like the idea of just enforcing the key things, w- safety stuff. like Speeding is kind of no, a key thing. I totally agree. But I think that the, the red light camera, and there should be more of them, will eventually have a deterrent effect because nobody wants to pay a $100 fine simply to go through. And in New York City, if you go through one... There's no doubt in my mind that that these cameras don't keep traffic, uh, slow down traffic. There's no doubt in my mind. I'm not not saying this. I'm sure that people that, you know, I mentioned the exit off the Belt Parkway by Sheepshead Bay Road where there's two Mm -hmm. schools. Mm -hmm. You come off the... And everybody says, it's a trap. It's a trap because you're coming off the parkway at 50. Yeah. Slow down. Slow down. (laughs) Slow down. (laughs) There's a stop sign at the end of that ramp that you need to slow down for. No, I see it all the time. And the key is, look, uh, I saw another statistic that was presented to me at the vigil for those two dead kids. And I keep saying two dead kids because they were killed. They were killed. Okay. There was a statistic. If you... We dropped the speed limit down. Much controversy when de Blasio dropped the speed limit to 25. Right. Now, I saw a statistic that if the speed limit were dropped to 15, the number of fatalities from car accidents would drop to zero if people were actually driving 15. They're not going to drive Because you can't... If you hit someone at that speed, in rare occasions, there would be no death because it's just too slow. Now, obviously, we're not going to drop the speed limit to 15. Or are we? Like, why aren't we? Why aren't we discussing it? They should put you on the cover of the newspaper, driving your car 
with the 15 miles per hour. Holding, it's, like, it's like, should we? Holding a bag of groceries with yeah. a speed limit 15 side. Poking I, listen, out. if you're just tuning in, they're mocking me, but that's okay. That's okay because I have always been at the forefront of this industry. When I take over a community newspaper, for example, I change it. You change it. I, I should. I he? fire the people who don't belong in the business. The good news is, wait. The bad news is you're fired. The good news is you got two weeks to get your job. That's exactly the right. The good news is you're between jobs. <laughs> and I'll pay unemployment and if I have to. Look how exciting it can be. No, but the point you're is, fired. look. And I would. Li- you talk about me being between jobs. I'd like to make a shout out to Hartley's. Wait a second. I've, Hartley's. I've been is, talking about you being unemployed. No, I'm yeah, between jobs. Don't mince words. I Vince, said unemployed. Vince knows what I'm talking about. Vince and I went to Hartley's. We had a beer with Andy Campbell. Oh, it was great. And what a pastrami sandwich at Hartley's. It's right there in Fort, in, uh, Fort Green, Clinton Hill, just off of Fulton the Street. The sandwich mm-hmm. was good. The stew. The beef stew was not good. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. so much. not so I'm, much. I was so impressed by that sandwich. We had two. We, we ordered I got a sandwich. another one. No, we bought. <laughs> right. We did. But I, I'm just that's making. The, you know, that's how good it is. Yeah, that's the ultimate uh, endorsement. The you reason, buy a second sandwich. The reason I'm even making this shout out is because when you're between jobs, as I said, you get to experience. So we got there right when it opened. It was calm. It was nice. nice. Yeah. People were writing in their that little notebooks. Hour, sure. Yeah. Other unemployed people. No, the people between jobs or just taking notes because they have the time to consider the issues Maybe of the day. Maybe they were also writing plays about the Earl of Sandwich. It could be. But my point is, if you are ever find yourself between jobs, as I currently find myself, 347-512-4651. But when you're between jobs, take a moment to enjoy life. I have literally spent the last two days simply you reading... Look happier. I'm much better. Literally reading a book called The Insatiable Earl by Nam Rogers. A fantastic book about the fourth Earl of Sandwich. Is this the sandwich guy? Yeah, literally one paragraph. Wait, did he live in sandwich? No. It's a, it's a 400-page book, Tony. Guess how many pages are devoted to the invention of the sandwich? Ten. A half a page. Wow. Man. The guy does such a deep dive on the Earl of Sandwich. Yeah. Anyway, I brought it up to say I'm enjoying the book. I'm in A book ju- you may not have found if you weren't unemployed. Between jobs and working on a play about the Earl of Sandwich. And also, Vince, yes. I've been reading the New Yorker magazine cover to cover. If you get, that, I think you I'm get envious me, of. Are you getting me a free membership? I will. Uh, if I need you're free... between jobs, as I am. They just sent me a thing in the mail of $25 for 25 issues. Don't do it. I'm going to do it for you. Thank you. If you're between jobs, as I am, Tony, I recommend two stories. One was the very long takeout about Christopher Steele, the, uh, oh, the, uh, the ex-British uh, uh, agent. Intelligence agent, yeah. Very good story. Very nuanced. It's not the slam dunk you think it's going to be. He's not a political operative. He's a very interesting figure. That's no. one story. And then the other story was the very long dive... You know what I'm talking about. Go. Which one? It. Which one was it? I forgot already. Oh, it was it was the dive into the um I read it. How did I forget you it? You brought it up about oh. it's the greatest story ever. It's about, oh, the, about Beatles. the stink bug. The stink, oh, bug. Yes. stink bug. If you have if you can hear the sound of my voice and vi- and you're gonna John, Johnny. you're gonna cut out that little fluster at the end of the show. If you can hear the sound of my voice, the Christopher Steele story and the stink bug story. Now we're not I'm knocking wood here, we're not currently inundated by these stink bugs. But according to this story, they're coming. That story was fascinating yeah. and scary. The opening of that story yeah. is the scariest thing I've ever read. But it's written, just so you know, Tony, it's written... It's in, like a horror story. But it's I, written it so beautifully like I'm at the flat. edge of my seat. It's so flat. Like, it, it's not... It's not sensational. It's not you shaking know, so you. So are these an invasive species that's taking yeah, over from, more land as like the they're from temperatures China. warm and stuff like but that? But they're, they're from had, China. China. If you had nativenygardens.com doing your garden, you might find a measure of, of insulation from stink bugs because stink bugs are not attractive to native fauna, flora, 
What's flora? Which one you is which? No, you got Fauna's it. animal. Flora. They're an invasive species. Sure. I so had a neighbor growing up we called a Floradora. Why, and why is that, Vince? I don't know. She would dress a little fancy. Oh, I thought... She, did you call her the human trampoline also? <laughs> or did you watch the submarine races with her at Plum Beach? <laughs> no, off the Belt Park. Right? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Anyway, so on read the stink bug story and read the Christopher Steele story. I, because I'm between jobs, I literally spent an hour on each story just reading it. Just reading it. I read the stink bug story, and I, I, I could relate to it. Did you to the it. bottom? I could re- of course I read it okay. to the bottom. I could relate to it because I went out to uh, New Jersey, Monmouth County, home of the Atlantic Bagel Company, our sponsor. Did you see a stink bug? Not only did I see a stink bug, but I got home, and the stink bug was in my house. No. How did it get into no. my house? No! How did it get into my house? I don't know. This is two years ago. Oh. It got into my house in the car. It latched onto my car yep. somehow. Yep. Took on. the ride with me, the one-hour drive, a one-hour and ten-minute drive from Atlantic Highlands to St. So George, what did you do? Hopkinsville. What did you do? So I didn't know what to do. I'd never seen this bug before. So I sent a picture to my brother. I'm like, you got these bugs by you? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's a stink bug. Don't kill it. And I'm like, don't kill it. Why? He goes, because it'll stink. That, that is true. So what did you do? I put it in a plastic uh, container. Yeah. Mm. And I fed it lettuce. Oh. And it was our pet stink bug for a number of days. True Are you story? crazy? Wow. Are you crazy? No. Let me you tell invited you a stink bug into your house? I had it. It was entrapped <laughs> in a cage. Lettuce. I fed it. And it ate the lettuce. It ate the whole <laughs> thing. They'll eat anything. They this eat damn anything. Thing. They, they do. Can eat they anything. literally eat anything. Right? It ate the lettuce. But then I just, you know, I kind of left it in there, and like I stopped feeding it, yeah. and it died. It, which tends to happen. It no, had but, a good yeah. run. Though. What I learned about stink bugs is like. you don't feed them, they die. Yeah, I know. But here's no the problem. Way. So here's the thing. It died, and that was it. But I never put it out. You never had. I put it outside because you know I got a little kid. Little kid. Hey, don't kill the bug. You get you kill the yeah, bug. You get your buddy. I'm like, no, I'm killing it. But I didn't kill it, thankfully, because my kid told me not to. My brother said, "Dude, it stinks." Wait, wait, hold <laughs> and on, hold on. Oh, did I tell you about my brother's ankle no, surgery? No, hold on, hold on. The stink oh, bug, Putin. according to the stink bug article, it's very rare to see one stink bug because Where they travel. One, in, there are as many. It's not like roaches. Apparently, they love to be co- literally pressed up against hundreds of other stink bugs. So you're right. telling me you don't have any stink oh, bugs in your house now? This was two years ago. How I have not big seen the stink is, was since. the stink bug? They're like about, the size about of a quarter. An inch, about an, oh. yeah. It's a big bug. Yeah. Yeah, and they fly, but they really can't. They're like chickens. But you can't, you can't you know, step they really on can't it. Fly. They can't fly. Like, they're like, ruffle their wings. Like a turkey. You ever seen a turkey fly? Yeah, yeah. That's how they fly. You can't step on them because that's when they emit their stench. They stink. Yeah. And they, how long does the stench. It's like a skunk waft. stench, but worse. I, I, I got to say, just the fact that you had a stink bug in your house is now freaking me out. Because of Did what you that drink all, any grape juice today? <laughs> What does the grape juice have to do with it? Did you read the whole story? I did. You missed the part about when it, now whenever they, they, they harvest grapes, oh, yeah. the mm. stink bugs are inside. No, there was wine. And then they it crushed, was wine grapes. No, it was grapes. It was Ooh. regular grape juice. It was also And they wine. basically said, no, it was wine and what do you call And they said, but you can't taste it, but the stink bugs are in there. No, no, no. Oh, it said God. if you have more than 20 stink bugs for th- per 30 pounds of grapes, you can taste it. You yeah. can taste it. You can taste the stink. The Napa Valley wine people are freaking out about the stink bugs because it's so hard to get them out of the vines. Well, but I mean, but some people like a worm in their tequila. <laughs> I don't like stink bug in my wine. So, 
know. the word stink bug and v- and wine just don't go together. <laughs> well, like, not yet. It's got to, <laughs> eat the worm and tequila works at a frat party, but smell <laughs> the stink bug in my. Oh, yeah. this has the terroir Change. of stink bug. That's <laughs> gonna be a problem. Change comes slowly, slight, but slight we'll stink all bug. be sipping on stink bug wine. It's got it's got a little bit of leather, red fruit, and stink bug. That is not gonna <laughs> nah. be a good flavor profile for a wine. New meaning to sour grapes. There you go. Thank you. Whoa. Hi yo. No, but seriously, that. Those are the two stories. So that's when you have time when you're between jobs. The stink bug story was 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 scary. So to sum up, I've written a book. I'm working on a play. I've read a lot of The New Yorker. And I'm living the dream, going out with Vince and Angela, my beloved girlfriend whom I love, lives in Queens. We've been having a great time. What I want to know before we go, because it's something that that's sort of gripped the attention of Brooklyn and beyond, and it happened in your backyard. What did you do while unemployed? Uh, between jobs. Between the hours of about 3 o'clock yesterday when the owner of Grand Prospect Hall announced he would make the NRA's dreams come true and host a controversial fundraiser the group wanted to host there, and like 10 o'clock when he backed down after telling us nothing short of a court order would stop the party. Well, I'll tell you what I did. First thing I did is I when I saw your story and I saw the the Brooklyn paper story first, mm-hmm. even though it may have come out. I don't know. I think it was minutes. It you minutes know, it, but anyway, the Brooklyn followed. paper story. I'm speaking objectively now. Was the definitive story. You Thank guys you. sat down Thank with you. Halkias. You had, but we had 45 minutes with him. Yeah. But when when I heard that he was going to push forward and allow the NRA to have the fundraiser, I said to myself, literally, good for him. And I'll tell you why. I'm as liberal. Vinny, you know, I'm left of Trotsky. Uh, without question. I'm left of Vladimir Lenin. Not Putin. Vladimir no. Lenin. And we got to get to Putin. No, Putin. we got to get to that, yeah. But when I saw that the NRA wanted to have a fundraiser in Brooklyn, I was like, well, of co- I mean, why can't they? They're, they're, not a, they're not a hate group. No. The Nazi, the Nazi party, I would be upset if they had a fundraiser in Brooklyn. Yeah. But in a, if I'm going to believe in free speech and someone wants to rent a private hall... To meet with his friends and talk about issues that, which they share an interest, how could I object to that? No, no, I could be upset about it. Yeah, you can but be I'm upset. Not, I'm not going to stop. So them. my question I, is, Vince, are you pursuing the angle in the Brooklyn paper? Mm-hmm. Who is going to step up to the plate and actually host this fundraiser? There's nothing illegal about this fundraiser. Well, we're wondering if it'll go to the Bayridge Manor, a much more, you know, a friendly, friendly, uh, in a friendlier neighborhood. In a, fr- in a anyway. friendlier neighborhood. It's Bay not Ridge. just neighborhood. Yeah. The Bayridge Manor, as you know, is. I'm putting this in air quotes. Let the record show it's air quotes. Owned by State Senator Marty Golden. It's not actually owned by him. That's why you, it was air quotes. Technically. You, it was air quotes. Used to so be? Marty Golden, if you can hear the sound of my voice, why don't you host the Brooklynites for the NRA fundraiser? As far as I'm concerned, that's a, that's a step forward for free speech. I, I have no problem with it. I really don't. And I'm not just being... No, I think... I, I thought the, the, the Mr. H, as we like to call him at Grand Prospect Hall, you know, had every right to do what he did and and you know good for him for standing up for his business but i don't think he just he understood just how you know angry brooklyn can he get and when it, brooklyn is angry brooklyn is angry but at well, the same time forks but at, yeah, the, they at, at the same time though if you're a politician brad lander or bobby carroll who declined to come on the show today he's an assemblyman did he decline or did he just not get back to yeah us? D- well, Let's be uh, he didn't actively that. decline, but he yeah. he failed to get back to me, and I did contact him through email and text, uh-huh. as I can get a job through text three four seven five one. Works texting works both ways. But here's the thing: if you're Bobby Carroll and you put out a press release that says I don't think that the park, the Grand Prospect Hall should host this fundraiser, I think you're going too far. If you want to say I'm upset about it, I do. I don't think the NRA represents our values. That's fine. 
But I don't want to cross that line from being an opponent to being an opponent of free speech. In your unemployment, have you considered... But when uh, one is between jobs, you consider everything. Have you considered going into politics and working for a guy like Bobby, being his press guy and saying, no, Bobby, you go, you're going out to yeah, the wrong way. Yeah, or Councilman Lander, your... Fr your I have considered all of these things, and in fact, I have been reaching out to the borough president, borough president Eric Adams, who's one of the smartest politicians on the scene today, yeah. and the most eloquent politician by far, because uh, I've heard them all speak. I've said to him, if you are running for mayor, I want to be your press person. Right. And now I'm on record, because now I'm saying it publicly. On Brooklyn Paper Radio. Across the street from his office, practically. I, I might go over there after this. NativeNewYorkGardens.com. NativeNYGardens.com. Get the garden you deserve. And, of course, the Atlantic Bagel Company out there in Monmouth County. But the point is, when you're between jobs, you consider everything. And I believe that if a politician had the guts to pay me what I'm worth, which is about $100,000, let's be honest, I will come and turn you from maybe a local councilman or a local assemblyman or a local borough president into a mayoral, into mayoral timber. Well, there you go. Because you know how journalists work yeah, and how journalism works. And you know how to get... You haven't been unemployed for that long. Well, I've only been between jobs for like a month and a half. But you know how to get to, as an unemployed journalist, you know I mean, how again, to, how to speak the terms that, that the editorial board at, the at, say, the New York Times is interested it's in. It's not just you know, that. He played it the right way. Bobby Carroll, for example, put out a tweet after the, after the Grand Prospect Hall story came out. You know their slogan is, we make your dreams yeah, come there true. Were, yeah. right. And his tweet was... We make your dreams come true. Well, nightmares are also dreams, yeah. and this is an. It was a mess. That's yeah. really the tweet was a mess. Now, I'm not it saying wasn't eloquent. I'm not saying me writing eloquent. the tweet it was just <laughs> horribly written. It's like <laughs> I was going to. I the question becomes: <laughs> How much? If you're an assemblyman, how much would you pay to have Gersh Kunzman write your tweets? Probably not a hundred thousand dollars a year. No. but there's other jobs I can do. Write your speeches. You could do organize. more than just write the of tweets. Course. So if you can hear the sound of my voice, and your Bobby Carroll, or your Brad Lander, or your Borough President Eric Adams. Who has more money for staff like that, state or, or city? I would say Eric Adams probably has the most money he for staff. He's, he's got a little bit of a, yeah, a slush yeah, fund. Yeah. If you can hear the sound of my voice, you can hire me to be your press aide to get you to the next Gersh, level of if, politics. If you become the next Borough President, which I've always pushed for, I think Gersh should be Borough President. He's, I mean, it's a step. He's the Marty Markowitz. He's the Marty Markowitz of uh, unemployed journalists. No, I'm actually and the Marty Markowitz of between jobs journalists. I'm actually really the Marty Markowitz of white Brooklyn. I mean, I hate to say it like that. I don't have outreach into the black community of this borough. And that is something that's going to dog me. That's, yeah. And Marty it, always your did. your Achilles Marty heel. Was, uh, Marty always it, did. It's not, no, it's not my Achilles heel. It's my fault. It's, uh, Achilles heel suggested it's, it's faded it's, by destiny. Right. No, it's, it's my it's fault. It's not an inherent flaw. I have not actively pursued that because I'm not a politician and I'm insulated just by social or whatever it is. And, and I have always argued for more people of color, women in the newsroom, and I failed to win that support. And I, often I'm the only, only non-macho man in a room. Well, listen, we're running out of time. I, I just want to remind everyone, you're listening to Brooklyn Paper Radio. On the air with us today, of course, is unemployed journalist Gersh Kuntzman, uh, my, my uh, partner in crime, uh, Tony Rotuno, and of course, Johnny, hey. who's hey. actually, I think he's He's doodling over there. What are you doodling, John? Uh, just drawing. I would be remiss. The garden of his dream. The garden he deserves. I, yeah, I know you're trying doodling. to get out, but I would be remiss if I didn't just repeat two things that were the, important. The Putin? No, we'll get to Putin in a second. I'm. You're on point. I'm between jobs, and it's three four seven five one two four six five one. That you can text me a job offer, and number two, ten forty five tonight. Lakeside Center, Prospect Park, Flyers versus Sharknado. Come and watch us. Flyers are going to fly to victory. Yes, we and hope. If and we Gersh, hope. We hope. Gersh is going to be on. Uh, he's going to be on with what's his name? 
Curtis Sliwa on WABC oh. in about five in about ten minutes. Yeah, no, we got it. We got to get doing around. This is the last thing I want to bring up, Gersh, because I know it's important to you. You're writing a book about the uh, the charmy luck, good luck charm, lucky charms, <laughs> all that magically stuff. Magically delicious. They are. No, they are, and and they have purple horseshoes. Yeah. All right, which are also lucky. Very. Okay. As long as they're pointed up, not down. He's talking about all this stuff in the book, but I just wanted to bring up the Mets because today is the first day of spring. Woohoo! And I just found out, we were reading the papers today, that your Mets, your beloved Mets, that everyone is writing off. No, I'm not writing them off. I'm not writing them off either. And I want to be on the record okay. saying that. I think the Mets got a serious shot this year. And I think that shot is dependent, of course, as I've always said with baseball, on pitching. Pitching is the game. Pitching is the game. But who do you got? You got your Fab Five. And they're going to be your starters. Name them. Go. Well, you got Zach Wheeler. Yeah. You got Steven Matz yep. fighting for the fifth slot. No, they're all in. It's got, in. Okay. You got the other the, guy got injured yesterday. You, you didn't got, even read the papers. You got the Dark Knight, Matt Harvey's yep. back. And mm-hmm. the two real aces, Noah Syndergaard and Jacob deGrom. If you have five yeah. starting pitchers like that and they can stay healthy. Well, that's a big if. And they can stay healthy. If. Johnny wants to jump in here. They cut Tebow, right? Tebow's gone, and he's not a pitcher. So how, what chance do they have if they we're, cut Tebow? We're not talking We're just on Tebow. pitching here. I'm just, just saying. Pitching. You, pitching you had down. Tebow, you cut him. Pitching. All right. all right. Pitching is what it's all about. You can send those You send those five guys out there. I'm looking for big things from, from, it's a from, big from, if. Uh, from Matt Harvey this year. All, all five of those they're guys gonna were injured last year. Well, they're they're going to name a candy bar after. It's going to be called the Harvey Bar. And then he's going to start his own all-women's baseball league. Wow, I like that. I, you know, that could be a movie. If if Matt Harvey can stay off of the supermodels this year and stay healthy, he could win you 14 games, max. I bet you Matt Harvey can win you 18 games. I bet you Syndergaard can win you 18 games. I bet you DeGrom, you, DeGrom can win you 18 games. My two question marks are the young kids, Matt's, and uh, who's the other one? You said him before. I, I did, but I've forgotten it already. No, you know who it is. It was the first guy you said. I know. I've forgotten it already. Top five. Wheeler. 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 Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler. I bet you you can get 12, 10, 12 wins out of them. You you give me 18, 18, 18. Well, that's like 72 12, 12. right there. That's your that's your season. But remember, even the best baseball players make mistakes 65% of the time. They fail. 70%. They fail. And a pitcher, a pitcher will fail. give up 10 hits a game. Even a good pitcher will give up 8, 10 hits a game. And you expecting that guy to win? Not the psychology th- of baseball is a big part of my novel, Good Luck Charm. Good Luck Charm. Lucky Charm. Good if you, if you want to buy that novel and you're a publisher and you're listening to the sound of my voice, text me at 347 512 4651. You can buy a book by text. I love I'm it. new school. I'm not old school. All right, guys, we are out of time. Woo-hoo. I want to thank Gersh Kuntzman. Yes. I want to thank Tony Rutherford. Thank you, Gersh. I want to thank Johnny or Jimmy, hey. whatever the hell his name is. I want to. Th- uh, well, next week we'll get to the Putin stuff. We've got to get to Putin. We next missed that. Week. Sorry, but I think it was a great show. And uh, it was a great show. Sponsored by Native NY Gardens. Get the gardens you deserve. And Atlantic Bagel Company, the best bagel company outside of Brooklyn. Outside of Brooklyn. And uh, my brother had the ankle surgery. I hope he gets better. That too. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs>